Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another episode of Believe in Kentucky. The homie Aaron Gershon from the Cats Pose is back with us this week. Jalen Whitlow is not here this week. We're coming at you on a different day. Coming at y'all on a Tuesday with the game being tomorrow night against Mississippi State. So we'll probably be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. All three of us will probably be here. So, uh, AG, man. Fresh off the trip to College Station, how you doing, man? Yeah, man, it's good to have a couple home games, even though the weather is just absolutely horrendous. Uh, I don't know how it is down there by you, Vinny, but it's it's brutal. Uh, I'm ready for it to be over, the snow to be gone, but uh, otherwise, it's good to be home and have a couple home games this week and not be on the road. So you're from Connecticut, and you're saying yeah, it's brutal in it. Lexington? It's brutal? Yeah, man, it, it's I'm not like if it's in the 30s, I'm not a fan, but whatever. But it, it's I mean, this is bitter. Like this is cold anywhere. The real feel right now is four. Uh, that'll get you no matter what. So uh, it's brutal out here and the snow is not melting. We're supposed to get more on Thursday night and uh, I'm just ready for it to be done. And I'm down here outside of Knoxville and it it hardly ever snows right like you know they they forecast it and maybe you get a dusting maybe you don't maybe oh supposed to get three to five nope supposed to get one to three nope higher elevations in the smokies might get something but it's like it goes around us all the time we might get a half an inch maybe i grew up in kentucky obviously i'll call my mom i'm i'm two hours away uh, born where Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee all meet, right in southeastern Kentucky, right at the base of Black Mountain, the highest mountain in the state. So I'll have nothing as usual. Call mom and she, oh, we got seven inches out here. And like, and just to be too, not that far away, but the difference in the elevation and the way the weather hits. And but wild, unbelievably though, today or yesterday, we we got what everybody else got. So we got. There you go. Six, eight, nine inches out there on the porch. My kids are like, oh my God, because they never really <laughs> yeah. never really see snow to that level. They've seen it's not like they're from Hawaii, have never seen snow, but sure. they, they never see substantial snow. And I I mean I'm not from Connecticut, but I grew up with substantial snow. I get six, eight inches. We missed school. One time, you know, I was 10 or 11, there was a big three-foot blizzard. There's pictures of snow up to our waist, you know, my sister and I. So been playing with the kids out in it, been enjoying it and trying to, you know, let them see it. Got out and drove around town today a little bit just to let them see what it's like snowed in everywhere. So we finally got what everybody else has been getting. Um, still looking for forward to spring, but glad to see a little bit of snow. So, 
No, yeah. No, I get that. When For people that haven't had the experience as much, especially kids, uh, I, I always respect that. But selfishly, uh, <laughs> growing up in it, over it, just done, ready for to skip the to spring weather. Last year, the winter was just so mild that it was like, it was so enjoyable. We basically just skipped a brutal winter, but uh, not the same luck so far here in January. We'll see. It's supposed to warm back up, I think, after the weekend at least. Yeah, yeah, we... We usually skate, but not this time. I understand. <laughs> uh, you mentioned two home games this week, so we definitely get to that. And I, you know, I kind of call it. If you see us on the live on Twitter, we're live Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Follow us at Believe in Kentucky. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Put a comment in there. Leave a rating. If you like the show, go in there in the comments and subscribe and say, "Hey, I really like the show. Appreciate what everybody's doing." Uh, we definitely would appreciate it. But it's kind of a get right versus the Bulldogs week because you got Georgia yeah. and Mississippi State and Georgia coming in. But before we get to that, it would be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on everything that went down last week because uh, you weren't able to be on last week. And we had, had former UK Professor Lama Max Gobby with us on with Jalen and myself. And we had Nick Saban retiring. We had Pete Carroll and Seattle not doing you know business together anymore. Yeah. Bill Belichick, uh, I don't know if that was that Wednesday as well, but the next day or so after, it happened since you were on with us. So all those three guys not going to be on the sidelines where we used to seeing them for decades anymore. Uh, your thoughts yeah. on that national championship game, The Liam Cohen, is he going <laughs> to stay or go? Oh, just good. We got your thoughts on all yeah. that. We're going to talk a lot of basketball too. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was a wild week football without, you know, all the, you know, one college football game. There's a lot going on in the college game, obviously, first of all, with with Nick Saban retiring. I mean, that one was I, I get it when you're at that age, it could happen at any point and you shouldn't be shocked. But just mm -hmm. it happened so quickly, uh, seemingly middle of the day that Wednesday, just kind of Chris Lowe of ESPN breaking that news. It just seemed very sudden and was like, oh, my God, like checking, make sure it wasn't a dupe account or whatever. And uh, now it's the real deal. And, you know, within 48 hours, Kalen DeBoer, who you had just talked about the national championship game there, was coaching that championship game, didn't go the way Washington wanted. Another kind of dud of a game, which which stinks. You know, hopefully we'll get some better natty games coming up here. Uh, it's been a little bit, you know, that Alabama-Georgia game two years ago was pretty good, but we even had that nail-biter national championship game in a little bit. Hopefully we'll get one of those soon here. But, you know, Kalen DeVore is coaching that game. Has to kind of get his guys through a really tough loss, a really great season, but knowing change is going to come within that program, not just because they lost and the season's over, but, you know, all these seniors they had, all these draft guys, Penix, the receivers, Dylan Johnson, and then, you know, he's, he's the head coach at Alabama a couple days later. <laughs> Just an insane turn of events. And then, you know, the ripple effect it's had on college football. You know, Jed Fish going from Arizona to Washington. That's really tough for Arizona. They were – I saw a stat where, like, they were 16 points off from going 13-0 and 0 this year. Uh, they had an outstanding season, and they lose their coach uh, to UW. So um, – and we'll see. There's going to be a lot of coordinator coaching little smaller things, um, you know, that, that are a ripple effect because of this. So crazy. You know, that whole thing was crazy. Um, to finish up with college, the Liam Cohen stuff is, I think it's frustrating for Kentucky fans because he, it came right from the horse's mouth, right? Liam Cohen talked about it when he was re reintroduced on that Zoom call last January with us. 
that he wanted to lay some roots here. He wanted to be here for a couple of years. He wasn't going to rush out the door. And then you see he's interviewing for the, the, uh, the Bears offensive coordinator job, and he's linked to Ohio State. And I think, one, you can't. I don't think you can be mad at Liam Cohen for interviewing. I mean, I think you'd be pretty silly not to, uh, especially because I do think at the end of the day, Liam Cohen's probably more of an NFL coach, and that's probably where he's going to end up long term eventually. I think this is a really good spot for him. In the, in the here and now in Kentucky, you know, it even felt like kind of when the season started to go off the rails a little bit. And, um, you know, the last couple of weeks when, you know, it was Alabama, they knew they were probably going to lose that game. They wouldn't admit it. The South Carolina game doesn't go well. There, there was a lot of talk before the Louisville game of how, you know, going into the offseason, we need to build continuity. We need to get some transfers that have some multiple years, close out on this class. And then also, you know, with Liam Cohen being back, having – you know, familiarity with the system and player connection, all that good stuff. And <laughs> Liam Cohen leaving would ruin all of that. Obviously. Uh, you, For Kentucky's perspective, you really hope uh, he stays for at least one more year. Um, and then at least if he's going to leave, you can figure it out in December and not in January and February when you're already so behind. And, you know, spring ball is going to be here in a month and a half. But um, I, it's hard to tell where it stands. I don't think. I don't think he's going to end up at Ohio State. You know, it could be. I, I honestly don't have too much information on it either way, and I definitely don't have enough information on the Bears, but it seems just like with the number of candidates and guys like Shane Waldron, who did an amazing job up in Seattle uh, with Geno Smith, it seems like there's tough competition for that job. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. But as of now, you know, looks like they're going to hold on to him, but it's a wake-up call that, you know, even if they hold on to him this year, you might be going through this thing again until uh, until it finally happens that he leaves again. So it, it's a yeah. I get why Kentucky fans are are frustrated there. Yeah, just uh, and like there's it's always changed, but just this was probably something they thought they didn't have to worry about right <laughs> immediately. And, right. You know I mean? Yeah, and I see a lot of people making the argument. Oh, Mark Stoops flirted with leaving, but. There was a lot of people that talked about how that I heard heard from, and I know other people reported that like Liam Cohen wasn't necessarily going to follow him there. Like if John Sumrall was the hire, he already has a rapport with Sumrall because they were on that staff together in 21. Like he might have just stayed and been the OC for Sumrall, and I'm sure he wants to be a head coach at the college or NFL level, and he's got to do, um, he's got to do what he's got to do to get to that, whether that be going and taking this OC job of the Bears somewhere else in the NFL. Look, the Titans are going to have an OC opening. Uh, it's a, who the head coach. Like, if they hire an offensive-minded head coach, you probably will be safe, like, if they hire a play caller. But if they hire a defensive guy, which I don't think they're going to do, if you fired Mike Vrabel, I don't think you're going to hire Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. So what what's Tennessee going to do? That's something to keep an eye on because you obviously have Will Levitz, who did pretty damn well with Liam Cohen calling the shots. So uh, this thing's not over. It's not going to be over. And that's what's really frustrating because it's late, man. Like, that's why Washington panic when DeVore left. Um, Arizona panic when Fish goes up. And now San Jose State uh, smaller school, but they're in panic mode. Their coach going to Arizona. Uh, if the South Alabama's in panic mode, their head coach just took the DC job at uh, at Alabama. So it, it's just it's really late in the game for this stuff to be happening. And Kentucky already experienced this last year or two years ago, and they ended up with Rich Scangarillo, which is probably a panic hire, and uh, they don't want to have to do that again. And it was it's going to be interesting how no matter how Alabama filled their slot. 
the dominoes were going to go a certain direction. I mean, right. it was the board, so now you get the the Pac Coast kind of vibrations going. The the Pac, you know, West Coast thing, you know, with Arizona. Yeah. But say Lane Kiffin had taken it, then it would have been a whole different. There would have been SEC ripples. Yeah, and then. Yeah. Still don't know what Harbaugh's going to do. It's just going to be so many moving pieces. I, I mean, mean, if Harbaugh leaves, like, is Byron Kelly really going to go from LSU to Michigan and leave <laughs> LSU open? Like, it, this thing ain't slowing down yet. Uh, we'll yeah. see. Harbaugh, I think, you know, if Harbaugh doesn't leave, I think we're kind of at the point where it's just going to be some of these group of five openings that are now left. San Jose State, South Alabama. Sounds like Toledo could open because uh, Jason Candle, their head coach, is kind of the guy that – Ohio State is really high on for that offensive coordinator job. So you may have stuff like that pop up. And, um, but yeah, if Harbaugh leaves, like, unless they might hire from within because they've got some really damn good coordinators up in Michigan. But if they go and get a Brian Kelly or another big name from another program, this thing's just going to keep on, the carousel is going to keep on spinning uh, into February, which is nuts in college football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you tweeted out yesterday that what, Stone Saunders, who if if yeah. Cohen stays, yeah, might finally get that high school quarterback continuity where you don't have to keep going portal, portal, portal. Uh, we get Cutter Bowley coming in. Saunders is coming in to visit this weekend, which is like you said, yep. a good sign. It's it's you don't you don't know, but it's, it's at least no. he's he's not you know looking elsewhere and, and all that. So it's good that he's coming. Yeah, and, and Brock Vandegrift made it. Like, Brock Vandegrift, remember, he committed before he even stepped on campus because of whatever relationship he had already had with Liam Cohn and, and the trust he had in Liam Cohn. And he's he is here, so that's a good thing. Obviously, he's a, he graduated, I believe, from Georgia this no, December. So, like, if Cohn bounces, you risk losing him because he yeah. can transfer at any point. And he can – obviously, everyone can transfer after spring ball. So, th- there, there's a huge ripple effect this could happen have that you just want to avoid at all costs because i think honestly i was having this conversation with dick gabriel today i think it was today at least um that they kind of did it i know they lost the clemson game but at least offensively the the that game the louisville game and then the additions they've made in the portal they've had to, they've picked up some momentum here uh i think at least and um you want to keep that rolling into next season into into spring ball into fall camp and then eventually into the season uh if you take Liam Cohen out of that equation, that momentum is, it's absolutely and utterly gone. <laughs> there is no, there's nothing. So, uh, you know, they got to, hopefully they'll just dodge a bullet here. That, that's kind of what it's going to come down to. I don't think you can really credit anyone if they keep him because he's making $1.8 million. Uh, they've already done their job to make sure he's well, um, well equipped financially. He's gotten, it sounds like he has full control of this offense based on what some reporting is out there. So it seems like Kentucky's done everything they can. So at this point, it would be dodging a bullet if they, uh, if he were to leave. So we'll see what happens. It's not even a leverage play for a raise at this point. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could give him a raise, but then you're talking about, I don't know where he ranks among offensive coordinators, but 1.8 is crazy. Like Kentucky has done a really good job. Mitch Barnhart and the administration has done a really good job at, you know, giving Mark Stoops what he needs to build this thing and uh, losing him would just be that there would be something deeper is going on. It, it would, Cause offense coordinators at the sec level make more than they do in the NFL. So uh, if, it, if he leaves and it's not about the money, 
maybe one, again, I think he's going to eventually lay his roots in the NFL. That's just my opinion. I don't know that without with any sourcing or anything like that. That's just kind of the vibe I get from him and from his coaching trajectory here. But uh, if they lose him, there, there's something going on in those in, behind those walls that, uh, look, I mean, you, you, again, Mark Stoops was almost out the door. Like, why was he ready to move on? Like some something's happening, and if he leaves, then the red flags really are kind of, kind of too hard to ignore. Yeah, we shall see. We shall yeah. see. Like you said, well, sooner than later, it's gonna pan out one way or another. You know. Yeah, it it will. Um, it will. And then uh, the Belichick thing, just to put a bone the coaching stuff. That that was, I guess, that was the least surprising. But it is just nuts to know that uh, he's gonna be coaching and not a Patriots. You know, you know, Patriots jersey, what our jersey, Patriots ripped jacket, whatever the <laughs> hell he wears. Um, it's going to be weird. I mean, he's been doing that almost my whole life. So, yeah. uh, obviously, a lot of respect for him. I think if you're a cowboy, he ends up with the Cowboys. He ends up with our hated Eagles. If he ends up with Atlanta, uh, I don't think you could go wrong with Bill Belichick, even if he's 72. Um, you know, they, that roster kind of fell apart on him. I, I don't think he needs to be a GM again. If yeah. you let him coach ball, uh, they're going to be, I mean, they were in almost, not almost, but they were in a lot of games this year that with more talent, they probably could have won. So, uh, I think he'll be a home run wh- whoever hires him. So, yeah, if, is he willing to, you know, as Parcel said, let somebody else buy the groceries and work with a GM, yeah. uh, is he like? I mean, he's defensive defensive guy too, so I don't know. Yeah. You know, offensively, how he's is he? Because he's done what he's done. He is how he is. He's confident and look. I've won six titles. I've I've got an ego. I can yeah. whoever you want to be, but is he willing to adjust and adapt and and the new NFL? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why I kind of think Atlanta makes a lot of sense because mm. it's kind of a low. It's Dallas. You're, you know, how it is with Jerry Jones. That's a tough one to answer to Jerry Jones. Philly, the pressure is going to be unbelievable. Uh, probably they're just they expect a lot up there, and rightfully so. Um, Atlanta's kind of that in between, right, where the expectations aren't going to be insane. That team just wants something to hang their hat on and be excited about. They have some pieces that you can really work with, especially already on the defense. They had a really good defense this past year, but they, they're kind of a quarterback away. And if you're able to have that relationship with Arthur Blank, who seems to be one of the better owners in the NFL from everything I've ever read about him and some of the coaches have success with, like Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, did, took him to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, they've had some success. Dan Reeves, like there's, there's some success in that franchise. Not Super Bowl success, but – but winning seasons, playoffs, division titles, uh, you get a quarterback in there with the running backs they already have with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, you use him correctly, the defense. I mean, that that seems like a really good situation uh, for Bill Belichick. So that's the one I'm kind of circling right now. But, um, yeah, I, I just – you're right. He, he does – there is some adapting that needs to be done. I think he's going to have to – no more Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinators. You got to get a younger guy from this San Francisco tree that seems to be just kicking ass across the NFL. Um, but um, at the end of the day, he is Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm going to put more trust in him than I am uh, some other younger coaches who aren't uh, any at all proven. Yeah. And, you know, my Cowboys flamed out, like, I mean, unbelievably. And, yeah. Look, 
we've had the past two years, we've had end of game insanity against the 49ers in, in, in those kind of losses. Yes. And this time we don't even, the game's over at halftime, essentially to, to come out and to, to be two games behind Philadelphia, to need some help to win a division, to get the help to win a division. You know, I hate the 49ers, but we got help from San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, Philly has the easier schedule down the stretch to, you know, the Giants and twice the Arizona. Yeah, and, they got their ass kicked. And so Dallas, yeah, the gift for the Detroit game. And then we, we win this division and, and we're a two seed. I know, man. We got to do is beat a <laughs> Essentially, a rookie in Jordan Love. I mean, it's his first year starter. Yeah, first year starter. First ever playoff game, which you know, and it's I, not just him, man. That offense is all first and second year dudes. <laughs> like, besides Aaron Jones, it's, it's besides Aaron Jones, yeah, yeah, a bunch of young dudes. And to make them look like Hall of Famers, oh. you know, they did whatever they wanted to do all day long. Was was ridiculous. If Jimmy Johnson was giving the pep talk at halftime, they had, <laughs> yeah, he was. Had, had Jimmy pissed off, and you know, yeah, he was. So that was awesome. Yeah, I got I took comfort in the fact that Philly flamed out the next day. Uh, they they continue their tailspin, so good to see them yeah. out. I, I was gonna say, like the Cowboys, I think just got outplayed, outcoached. Oh. I don't think they ever quit. The Eagles quit. They didn't want to be there, man. Like that team. I know they they had a couple. I don't know how many straight possessions it was where their defense held, but after that safety in the third quarter, they quit. Like the tackling on that one touchdown, James Bradbury, Kevin Byer, they made biz, business decisions on those. Like they were like. I'm, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> like the I didn't see the Cowboys quit. They just got out schemed. They couldn't handle the motions from Green Bay. And you got to give you know Lafleur, Love, all those guys credit. Yeah. They just kind of out schemed, out outplayed Dallas on that day. I just think Philly is a case of they Sirianni lost that team. They everything. They're just a disaster. And so we'll see what Dallas does. I, I actually I think at this point, just based on what I've seen, like I have more faith in McCarthy than Sirianni. Like, how could you not? I mean, I know, like, I get it. McCarthy's playoff record in Dallas is terrible. They, that game was unacceptable. And I'm sure for you as a Cowboys fan, that's uh, pretty unforgiving. But compared to, like, I mean, Philly, like you said, you laid it out. The Giants twice, Arizona. Um, they shouldn't have, the Giants should have swept Philadelphia. If, yeah. if, if Tyrod Taylor started that game, the Giants would have won that game. 100%. No doubt in my mind. And then they killed them in the last week of the year. Arizona beats them. San Francisco, you know, one thing to do what they did to Dallas at home, they go into Philly and mm-hmm. absolutely dog walk them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the, and the warning signs with Philly were kind of there all year, right? Where they had a lot of close games. They lost the Jets. Uh, yeah. They had a, they Washington took them to overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Howell put 31 on them. Cool. Like, there are some warning signs with Philly all year, and it was like a ticking time bomb. And boy, did that thing go off. So right. I, I will say, at least your Cowboys, you know, the score was whatever it was, and they kept fighting till the end and showed some heart and played for their coach where Philly quit. Man. Yeah. So, not that that's well, a moral victory because what, yeah. what happened is, is tough and embarrassing, but uh, I will give Dallas credit for that because watching those two games every second of both, Philly was more embarrassing, I thought. So, in the, I'm an NFC guy, but I'm, I'm hoping Detroit Tampa represents the nfc if we can get green I bay think that'd be more francisco, fun green yeah. bay and san francisco on out of there for yeah. my selfish reasons that'd be more and, fun uh, that, 
Baltimore and Houston doing the Texans. My oh, goodness. Story, man. Wow. Yeah. CJ, I've been saying it all year. That dude's already a top 10 quarterback in this league. And uh, he might be moving higher than that. I mean, what was his complete? What was he like? Last time I checked, it was like 18 for 21. And then yeah. I was uh, I was driving back. I didn't get to watch most of that game because it was, uh, you know, that toward the end of the A&M game and then post game and all that. But I, I mean, CJ Stroud's just unbelievable. And uh, they've got some dudes at receiver and their best receiver has been out for the, like the second half of the year and tank dealt. So mm-hmm. unbelievable one for them. And uh, yeah, that's not going to be easy for Baltimore. I think Baltimore kind of, they made the same mistake twice. And I'm a little concerned about for them is that they benched all their starters. They got the one seed. They benched all their starters against the Steelers and you get it. You know, the weather was crappy that day. You don't want to risk injury, but they did the same mm-hmm. thing three years ago, I believe it was, or 2019 season when they were the one seed. They did the same thing. You know, they started RG3 uh, the last week of the year. They start all their backups, then they get Tennessee, and they just get dog-walked because they looked mm-hmm. slow. They looked – so yeah. Houston being a young upstart team, they have nothing to lose. No one thought they'd even win five games, let alone yeah. be in the second round of the playoffs. Like that that one's a little bit – I'd be curious to see what the line is and possibly uh, dabble in investing in Houston on that because yeah. uh, I think they're going to make it a game. And then obviously, hopefully, Kansas City and Buffalo live up to the hype up there in uh, western New York. Yeah, I think, it's, I think Buffalo gets a little bit of revenge there. I think so too. They're just a buzz. So can you believe that Mahomes has never played a road playoff? <laughs> I mean, he's been playing for six, six or seven years now. Like this isn't his. Yeah. This isn't his third postseason. Because mm-hmm, he was 2018 was his first playoff. Yeah. draft. Yeah. So he's this is his sixth year in the playoffs, and he yeah. hasn't played a road game. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> Two Super Bowls already. Two in rings. Three. three appearances. Yeah. That's and I think in the championship game every year, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I don't think they ever missed a championship game. It's crazy. Yeah. Never, never played a road playoff game. So I am curious to see, especially when it's probably the best home field advantage in the NFL uh, that Buffalo's got up there. Uh, I am curious to see how uh, how he and, and that offense fares because Miami, as soon as I saw they were going to Kansas City, you knew that team had no chance mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in that weather. No mm-hmm. chance. Absolutely. So fun catching up on all that, man. Um you were in College Station Saturday uh, yep. for Kentucky, Texas A&M. Cats got their first conference loss. 97-92, it was insane up and down for 40 game. minutes. And then it was a rock fight for five <laughs> minutes at the end of overtime. Unbelievable uh, how, that, how it shifted to me. You know? Yeah, well, A&M played the way they wanted to play the whole time. And over, if it was up to them, that would have been the whole game, right? <laughs> they, they want to muck it up. I mean, I don't know. They were in the 300s and adjusted tempo going to that game. They were a 26% three-point shooting team. Uh, just a terrible offense. And you know what? To their credit, and we'll get into was it them, was it Kentucky in a second here, but, but they put up 97. They played Kentucky's style. Like you said, it was an up-and-down game. And, and they beat them at it. So you got to gotta give credit to AM first and foremost. Uh, for Kentucky, I think this was a – it's not an end-of-the-world loss. You're going to be fine, I think. But it's a little bit of a wake-up call that, hey, just because you score a bunch of points every game doesn't mean you can take off the defensive side and and not rebound. You know, there's some real real issues on uh, with those two things. Um, and also they had chances to put this game away a couple of different times, which is the more, I think even more frustrating part. I mean, there was a sequence, uh, I think like 11 minutes left in the second half where they're up seven 
A&M misses a shot. If you grab a rebound, you get the ball back, you go score, you're up by nine or ten. You know, the game's not over, but that's tough. That, you, you put A&M in a real hole uh, if you had, had completed that sequence there. So that one stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just small things, you know, getting beat a couple times, you know, second chance points. I think they scored 21. Um, taking, missing on some, uh, Antonio Reeves missed some easy ones in the second half, but more so passing up some good looks. Like Reed Shepard is such a good shooter. Just shoot him, shoot him. You're going to make 50% of them if you're living up to the back of your, back of your basketball card right now. So that one was, that was frustrating. Even, you know, got to give Reed a ton of credit for those free throws at the end of the game. I saw him because it was on – we were on that side of the court. The media was where the where he hit those free throws, and he, you could see him smile before he took those shots. I was like, yep, all right, we're going to overtime. Like, mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind he's making them. But mm-hmm. he also missed a, one um, on a, after he got fouled from three, that if he makes that, you know, maybe it's different. And then you got – and then you got the uh, goaltending thing where they changed the rule just this year conveniently where, the you know, they – they don't they want to keep the game going they don't want to have as many reviews which i'm cool with that but that one killed kentucky because they got the rebound very clearly on that possession and um you know they call the goal 10 they give kentucky the two points only to take them back and kentucky loses a possession that they should have gained and <laughs> ended up being a huge difference so mm-hmm. frustrating one all the way around but um i think this was a big learning experience for this kentucky team we learned i think both for the team and for for everyone who watches the team, uh, we learned a lot about this group, both good and bad, on Saturday. I'm with you on the, I think up seven. It was, that yeah. was to me that was it too. It was 65 58. Yes, that was and it. And you 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 know every coach will tell you the possession isn't over defensively until you secure the defensive rebound. You don't get a stop until you get the defensive rebound. They forced a missed shot. And it was one of those back taps or whatever, one of the many offensive rebounds they got. A lot of back taps, yeah. And uh, I think it was Radford, the lefty, hits the three, and it's 65-61. You nailed it. You could have been going for a chance to go up 9 or 10. And and from that point, I think think you kind of break them if you score there. But they hit the three and it's a four, and it's a ball game. And you couldn't. You know, that was close. That was the seesaw tipping point for me. I'm with you. I'm like, man, that was and yeah. I, I'm with you too. You the offense looks like it's it's gonna be what it's gonna be legit all yeah, year. Absolutely. But you okay, so you're not Gary Payton, you're not, you know, Dikembe Mutombo or you know, some defensive great. You, you still can't have teams just licking their chops to yeah. play your defense. You, exactly. You got you to gotta slow some guys down and limit them some kind of way because <laughs> there's yeah. no way. What it The past two games, did A&M score 97? They scored like 50-something. Oh, I mean, they went into that game. I, I forgot what they were. And I, I know they were a 26% three-point shooting team, which yeah. is like in the 340s in the country. Worst uh, – Worst power five, or if you will, group of six, I guess, in college basketball. And so, like, there was no excuse for them to be hitting as much as they did. And mm. I get I get they hit some shots that are like, all right, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. But there were some open looks, man, and there were a lot of straight line drives. Uh, I think that was the thing that frustrated Cal, talking to Orlando Antigua today, frustrated him, even after the game with Rob Dillingham, who got on Yenso, like, 
straight line drives. They just got beat 38 points in the paint. They're giving up 30 points a game in the paint. That's that's not good. And um, they, they got to figure it out. They're struggling on the pick and roll, defending the pick and roll. Rob Dillingham, after the game, I asked him about it. He talked about communication and maybe not reading their keys as much as they need to be. Um, Antigua said today that they got to get to a point where they dictate where the ball goes, you know, when, when defending screens. So um, there's a lot to clean up on that. And then the defensive rebounding, it's not like it's been a epidemic with this team. Like they've had some good performances on the defensive glass. They're like not a horrible defensive rebounding team, but we saw a little bit of a warning sign against Illinois state when they gave up 24, that one dude had like 15 rebounds and nine of them were offensive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if Illinois state's going to do this to you, what's tech, a team exactly like Texas A&M yeah. or Mississippi state that comes in tomorrow, what are they going to do to you? And we learned they're going to beat the crap out of you. And that's what AM did, man. 25 <laughs> offensive rebounds. They do that thing where they tap every ball and they try to get it to their yeah. guards, and it worked. Yeah. And I get it. It's tough. Like, they're a special offensive rebounding team down there, but it's unacceptable. You just can't have it. You've got to close possessions. And um, that's going to, and Rob Dillingham said it best, too, after the game when I asked him about it that, you know, if you get those rebounds, we're such a good offense. We made as many shots as them in less possessions. You give mm-hmm. us more possessions, right? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna keep scoring and we're gonna crack a hundred. We're gonna win that thing and make it no contest. So, you know, that's why they were able to win the Missouri game is because they had they out any game they've out. I don't think they've lost all their three losses. They didn't got out rebounded in. Um, they've had a couple where they've been able to survive getting out rebounded, but they're not like UNCW killed them on the glass. Like they got to figure it out rebounding wise and defensively to be the complete team, because there is as good as this offense is, they've scored at least 80 in all, but one game, they scored Mm -hmm. only 89 times last year. So it shows you how much better they are offensively this year compared to last as good as they are. There is going to be a night. We don't know when, but there will be one where they just can't shoot Right. where they can't even clip 70. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to go win that in that. What if that game comes in the NCAA tournament? It could. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to go win a game with defense and rebounding. And as of now, they have not proven they're capable of that. It's hard to believe that that might be the case. The way they – and in some of these games, they're dropping 80, 85, 90, and it seems like they're still not even clicking. It's like right. It's like they're, they're a little bit off. They struggled and still scored 85. They weren't, they weren't – like <laughs> this game wasn't even perfect offensively. Yeah. It was good. I mean, what Rob Dillingham did at the end of the game was just stupid oh, good. Oh, goodness gracious. But it wasn't like they were totally in sync. The turnovers just spiked a little bit the last couple games. Mm-hmm. And they scored 92 pr- pretty easily. But we saw it. We saw it in overtime, right? The offense went gone, 0 for 8 from the field. They could not hit, hit – they could barely touch the rim. It was yeah. a disaster. Mm-hmm. And they lost because they got top AM grabbed nine rebounds in overtime, five of them offensive. Yeah. They didn't score that much, but they did just enough. And that's that type of thing could happen any given night. And that's what's scary with this Kentucky team. Like it's gonna happen. As good as they are, it is going to happen. And yeah. you've got to find a way to win win the games multiple ways. I thought that was what was so special about the Florida win. You said it right there. Like they scored 87 in that game and they couldn't hit three. Yeah. Yeah. But there's going to be a game where they don't, can't hit anything. That's my concern with this team. And my biggest concern is it's going to happen in tournament time and it's going to kill them, you know, kill their season. And that's not what you want. You want them to prove before you get to Mar-
become ugly. As boring as that might be, because we saw so much of that crap the last two years, right. um, it would be very beneficial to have one game. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Mississippi State's a great defensive team. Mm. Maybe tomorrow they can win a game 75-70. But yeah. uh, th- they need to prove they can do it. Because watching the Florida game, I'm at. I mean, it's still in the fifties and sixties, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think we're getting to eighty today. And I didn't you know, think so either. They, they darn, they got ninety still yet, you know. And <laughs> yeah. like we said, you you can't let teams lick their jobs to play you. And when you are playing a pathetic offensive team. It it should yeah. not be a get right game. That should no, I mean, it can't be. I know Texas A&M was desperate. They're zero and two in conference. They gotta have it because you know they've already dropped a couple. Yeah. But for them to just nearly hang a hundred on you, that you, you can't be. No. You know, <laughs> like and it was really should, two guys. That's what's wild, man. Yeah. I mean, Wade Taylor had thirty one, and Tyrese Radford had twenty eight. I don't think anyone else got to ten. Like your your Yankees are struggling, you know, three three straight games where they're not hitting. Yeah. And then, you know, the uh who's the worst team in the AL? You know, Oakland. The, Oakland comes in and you know, y'all tee off and get 12 runs in the you know first three innings. Sure. That should not be the way opposing offenses view Kentucky. Hey, we can't Correct. throw it in the ocean. Oh, we're playing Kentucky. Now we're gonna score a hundred. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and that's you know, that's what's I'm, happening right now. I, I mean, mean I, I play inspired, <laughs> but I still yeah. For them to hang 97, 89 yeah. regulation, I did not expect. And even, look, the Missouri game, they played pretty well in the second half defensively. They got a, they got bailed out. Missouri missed some open shots down the stretch. Yeah, and um, Sean, Sean East got hurt, too. And that, he got hurt, exactly. That, they, he, Missouri he was, was getting – yeah, he was, he was cooking all night. And Missouri, Missouri was getting all they wanted in the first half. I mean, they shot 54% from the field in the first half. And that mm-hmm. was not a good offense. They weren't A&M bad, but they weren't that much better. And, yeah. like – We've seen too much of that all year. Like uh, uh, <laughs> Florida is the best offensive team they've played this season, I believe, statistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Carolina and Kansas are up there, but I know Florida is still ahead of – I'm pretty sure Florida is ahead of both of them. And they played well against them in the second half, but that first half was terrible. Like they're just going to – if bad defensive teams are hurting you, uh, that's a problem. So they, they got to – Right. They, there's And tomorrow look, – look, tomorrow's going to be another – I just kept bringing it up. Maybe it'll be the ugly one. Mississippi State is not a very good offensive team. I mean, Tulo Smith is a dominant player. We all know that. We've seen right. him play for a couple of years now. They have mm-hmm. a freshman guard, Josh Hubbard, who's having a really good season, averaging 15. And then they have no one else who's averaging double figures. And no one – I don't even think they have a key rotation player uh, shooting above 40 from three. So this is not a great offensive team. This is a team that wants to beat you. With offense and re, or excuse me, with defense and rebounding, mm-hmm. and they just did it to Tennessee. They muddied up the game. Uh, they were able to hit some shots to get the win. Uh, this is not a team on paper Kentucky matches up very well against, but they're at home, which we have learned. College basketball, it is almost impossible to win on the road this year. I don't know what's going on. Why it's so? I mean, it's always hard to win on the road. I don't. I don't want to say that, you know it's never been hard, but like this year, like UCF beating Kansas at home and. All the wacky ones. Even I think Tennessee is a better team than State. I don't think that should have happened. I don't think this loss should have happened for Kentucky as as good as ten as better as their record as they are with A and M. Like there are some really head scratching road losses throughout college basketball this year. I mean UConn lost to Seton Hall. There's just a bunch of examples. So Kentucky's got the benefit of this one being at home, but 
like they go to Starkville at the end of the year. Like this is the type of team that would scare me come March. Not exactly because Kentucky hasn't proven they could. I mean, they've won some. They've won, but they haven't proven they could like go out there and and play the style of basketball they need that it might take in the tournament against one of these teams. And this, you know, we talk about it a lot. The the investment that the SEC's made in basketball. Yeah. You know, Cal talks about it. How um, you can't. Um, you can't. It's it's hard to run a table now. Yeah, than it used to be. Um, it, you know, and all these teams are focusing on basketball facilities and all that. I was talking to you know, a couple Tennessee fans at work. I was like, and this was before they went and played Mississippi State. Mississippi State is one of those games where if if you don't show up down there, they're gonna beat you. They're, they sure they're, are. they're not elite or whatever. They they're flawed like a lot of teams are. But if you don't come in ready to play. They're gonna beat you. They were up 14-15 before Tennessee could blink. Um, you know, Tennessee rallied in the second half and, and made it a game. I think they even tied it at one point. But like you said, Mississippi State hit some shots and 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 were able to hold on. If this was at Starkville tomorrow, it'd be even more concerning for Kentucky. And they yeah. they better not, you know, take it lightly being at home tomorrow because they can come in and beat you as well. UNCW um, did it. <laughs> exactly. So the league is rugged. Is yeah. everybody's gonna beat each other up? Sure. Um, and yeah. you know, Mississippi State is that kind of team. They they got some talent, but if 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 you're slipping, they they can I'll get, get you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even you know you want to look ahead. We're allowed to do that. Players aren't, but we are. Um, South Carolina next week, where Kentucky will obviously be on the road. They're number twenty six in the country in defense, mm-hmm. so they're not going to make it easy on you maybe that's a game where you, you can't rely on the offense. So th- they're going to be these games. And even, again, when they play Florida, I know Arkansas is terrible, but they're actually having an okay year shooting the ball. Like, they're going to have to – they have to win every – they have to show they can prove they can win in different ways. So far, they've right. I think they've shown two. They've shown they can win a game where they're still scoring a bunch, but maybe it's not from three. That's the Florida win. And then they're showing that they could just beat you by just lighting up the scoreboard. I don't think they've proven they could win any other way, and that that is a little scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a slow down, grinded out game. They yeah. yeah, and no, trust me, I love watching this team compared to the last. Like last year was miserable, product wise, right? Like they were slow, they were archaic, they didn't shoot the ball well, all the above. But they're again, it, it, I'm not saying it needs to be every night. You need to turn into a grinded out team, but there's going to just be games where that's what the game dictates. And that, that's what it's gonna take come March, man. You're gonna you're gonna run into some bus saws the longer you stay in that tournament. And even, you know, I know it means more for the fans, I think, than than reality, but even the SEC tournament, you mentioned how tough and physical this league is. If you want to get back to winning that tournament, yeah. you're gonna have to bring you might have one especially playing three straight games that mm-hmm. Sunday when your legs are tired. It seems like the product of basketball in that SEC championship game is always terrible from at least one team. Because they're just gassed. If you want to win that tournament, you got to bring it on both sides all three days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we we see, and you know, like I said, with Georgia this weekend, you know, yeah. same same kind of game. Um, and, yeah. and speaking of South Carolina, we just we just need 
some payback from them, you know, because you know, lost down there last year. No, lost at home I to lost them. At home last year it was a quad four loss. Yeah, two in a row in football. Yeah, and they've um, and Kentucky struggled in this arena. Uh, it seems like this is a game they always struggle in on the road. Like they they've won more times than not. But uh, I mean, obviously there was the buzzer beater there a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Cal's gotten thrown out of this game once or twice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so it's always kind of a weird game when they play South Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually at home, they take care of business. They did not last year. Right. Um, that was their first home loss to them in a while. But this is, you know, their fans are going to be ready for it because mm-hmm. they they have a great product this year. Credit to them. They were the worst team in the SEC last year. This year, they're what, 14 and two? And they're mm-hmm. two and one in their first two league games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know who they have this week. They got Georgia today. So the two teams up next on Kentucky schedule, and then Arkansas Saturday. So there's a chance South Carolina could be <laughs> five and one going into that game, or four and one. Uh, so, like, yeah, don't want to get too far ahead. I think to, I think of the three. I still think tomorrow's the toughest game, just from a matchup standpoint. But like this league, man, you like you said, they invested a lot of money to for this to be the product, and and they're getting the bang for their buck. There are a lot outside of like outside of Vanderbilt this year. They're a mess. Maybe LSU. Like, there's not any game on this SEC schedule that – even Arkansas, because they have so much more talent than they're playing. Like, like Man. there's not a game – and with the atmospheres, there's just no game you could take off in this league and expect to win. And what's good is – and I'll say this is positive. Kentucky is not – and the UNCW loss was just messy. I don't think they quit. I don't think they didn't show up for that game. I, don't, I, don't, I think they've showed up every single time, every mm-hmm. single game. Uh, the Illinois, actually, the Illinois Wagner. State game might be. Yeah, they missed Wagner back. Again, it, still should have won, but they oh, you, yeah. they missed him. Uh, they <laughs> they missed him, and Bradshaw coming back kind of got them out of rhythm. Whatever, mm-hmm. like that game sucked. It's not excusable, but you can yeah. kind of understand it. But I think they've showed up every single game. It's, Illinois State is the game. I think they scored ninety six, so it's hard to get on them too much. But the way they rebounded was concerning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think this team's going to be fine. It's just. There is a, I think Saturday was a, I wouldn't say pump the brakes game, but it was like a, a red flag. Like, Hey, remember, like this team has some flaws. They're still young. They're still, it's still January, thankfully. And there's still a lot to clean up. They're not just going to go in and, and walk through the sec and walk through the sec and NCAA tournament. Like this team has some things uh, to work on before we get to March uh, that you have a lot of good opportunities to get done here. And it's, it's been harped on. It's been addressed. You you heard Cal say, "Well, you know, we worked on all last week rebounding." It's they're they're hearing about it, no doubt. Yeah, you know, they they know these teams, you know, are strong on the glass. There's film now of them being punked on the glass, you know, on yeah, the defensive glass. So they need to do Thero back, man. Like, yes, come back. Yeah, I haven't mentioned him yet. I mean, this is going to be doesn't sound like he's going to play again tomorrow. So that's going to be what five in a row. We're almost looking at a month now. He has, you know, I think he, his last game he played was Louisville. So like, they need him back. He's their enforcer. They don't have an enforcer right now. Like they have height with Aaron Bradshaw, Ugo. They and Mitchell's doing a nice job rebounding. I don't think he's going in there and being the most dominant physical guy. Right. Where a Duthiero just comes in there and he gives it all he's got physically. Um, he blocks shots. He grabs rebounds. He affects shots. That's the guy you need back in this lineup ASAP. I don't know. I have nothing on him. I don't think anyone has a real update or understanding of what's going on there. But, man. General soreness from – General soreness. 
growing is it, pain. Is it growing pain? Yeah. I, I don't know. I've heard I've heard just about everything. I, I see fans saying he's suspended. I don't think it's that, but uh, um, there's just like it's crazy. What what this? It's another one of those mystery Kentucky basketball injury situations. So you know, eventually you hope he's going to be back soon, and I think that's a guy that changes a lot of this. Not all of it, but a lot of this. So yeah, they they, they just got to find a way to be tougher. You know, uh, Orlando Antigua today was talking about positioning on some of these rebounds um you know ugana was the one after the game who said they have to kind of be the enforcer they haven't necessarily been that lately so whatever it takes man they just gotta close these possessions because if they can i'm i mean if they get these if they can start getting some stops they're gonna get and if they have more possessions than the other team they're going to win almost every game with how good this offense is. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, there will be a game where it doesn't happen, but for the most part, if they get more possessions, good luck. So I think they know that. And now it's a matter of going out and doing it, but the competition's really hard to do it against. Yeah. And a dude, a dude is the most physical guy on the team. For sure. It's not even that close. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and as much as Uko was kind of bulked up, he still, he still gets pushed around. So Yeah. And he's, you know, He's and I thing. thought he played a lot better in the second half. Than the yeah, first. He, did. he did. But he's also you got to remember too. I see fans giving him a lot of a hard time, and he didn't you know, like outside of SC, once they got to SEC play, he hardly played last year. So he and then he got hurt, and he didn't get back on the floor until the UNC game or and practicing mm-hmm. like a couple weeks before that. So like this guy is basically a freshman. Yep. He he. So there's just you know there's a lot to. Uh, there's a lot to be desired I get with him, but you know, he's got, he's got some time and I think he did a lot better in that second half, but you're right. He is getting pushed around. He's getting beat around on screens. Uh, that's a problem. And that's why you got to get a do here. I, I like Jordan Burks a lot as a kid. He's not ready yet. And, and Kentucky knows that that's why they're not leaving him out in the court that long. Um, the do Thiero needs, they need him for 20 minutes again to just go in there and muck it up and, and he, and he scores a little bit, too. He, he's mm-hmm. a little bit of a paint presence that they're missing as well. So mm-hmm. on a night where Aaron Bradshaw fouled out or didn't foul out but couldn't stay yeah. on the court, yeah. Duthiero would have played 35 minutes in that game. And it would have been – I think they probably would have won it. It was just – it was just, as Cal likes to say, it was a buzzer luck game for Bradshaw. Every Everywhere uh-huh. you moved, everything you did, it would, you you turn inadvertently, you're bumping the guy and it's just a foul. And you, yeah. And no kind of rhythm. As soon as you get in, you get a you get two, then you get your third. It's just – Yeah. And there's some easy tricks there. I think yeah. there's some – like he was playing a lot with the hands of not straight up and down. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. some tweaking you could do with him, but – they're gonna. Everyone's gonna have a game like that. Like I'm not. I'm not that concerned about Aaron Bradshaw. I, and remember, like the scouting report on Bradshaw wasn't that he was gonna come in just because he's tall. wasn't He wasn't gonna be an elite rebounder. I think we kind of right. got a little. Fans got their expectations up a little high when he had the double double his second game back. But you got to remember that was against UPenn. So <laughs> you know he's had he's had he's done some good things. He played great down the stretch at Florida. Um, I think he'll be fine. Uh, but. They, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna ever be their enforcer. I think their enforcer is to do the arrow, and the problem is, uh, he's out, and we don't know exactly why. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So, tomorrow at seven, Mississippi State, uh, you know, they'll be itching to, to get the bad taste of Saturday out of their mouth and go back yeah. in the win column. So, uh, and this okay. is a game that you know, as much as we it is a really tough game on paper, but 
Kentucky's had their way with State for a long time now. They're 17 and one in the Calipari era. The one loss was that NCA, uh, excuse me, SEC tournament in 2021, the worst Kentucky team maybe ever. So uh, Kentucky's definitely handled business against the Bulldogs. Uh, haven't lost to them at Rupp Arena since Billy Clyde Gillespie was the head coach. So, you know, I'm not trying to jinx it, but the numbers, uh, the numbers are in Kentucky's favor historically. And I still think they're the better team here, but this is a team that's going to mucky it up and mm-hmm. Kentucky's going to have to be tough. Lost that SEC tournament game by one, right? Mm-hmm. 74 73. Yeah. So that was that's when Dante Allen would light up Mississippi State every time. It was unbelievable. Both games, he was just yep. go off. On and them. then he did it again the next year. It <laughs> yeah. was unbelievable. He just loved yeah. playing against that team. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't transfer there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, man, AJ, I think we caught up on everything. Have a have a good evening at Rep Arena tomorrow. Uh, hope the cats have a good evening on the court. Uh, Glad to get your thoughts on all the football stuff as well that that happened because that was monumental stuff, man. With all the unbelievable week retirements and departures, there's this historic, yeah. You know, with Pete Carroll winning titles at USC and should have had two with Seattle, Belichick with his six, Saban with his seven, all that in a week. That was unbelievable, man. Yeah, I mean, I just can't get over the like Kalen DeBoer. That whole story. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Jalen's an Alabama guy, and I'm sure you guys talked about it last week. But to go from – he was at, what, Sayu Falls in 2009, like not that long ago. And then he's, you know, the OC at Indiana just four years – five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now he's the head coach. He's, he wakes up three days after losing the national title game at Washington near the head coach at Alabama. I mean, what a story that is. Like, I have a – like – I feel bad for, you know, Washington and everything. That's a tough week. But, you know, if you're Kalen DeBoer, man, what a story. That's really inspiring stuff right there for any coach that feels like they're they're stuck or anything. Like, look at what Kalen DeBoer was able to do. And he's only – he's still only 49. Like, he could could be there for 20 years if things go well. So, uh, congratulations to him for sure. Yeah, you talk about trajectory. That's uh, that's, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, Skyrim. What's his 104 and 12? I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. So good hire. Absolutely. So we'll root the cats on tomorrow. See what happens with Liam Cohen. We'll talk about it all next week after Kentucky plays South Carolina in Columbia. We'll be back next Wednesday. Yep. Uh and hope to everything goes well. We should have Zach Gagan from KSR on oh. to talk a little basketball. He would have hopped on today, but they had a little surgery, a little dental. Yeah, I, I, he was at the. Uh, I heard him talk about that. He was at the pre- Orlando Antigua press conference today. So hopefully that went all right. Yeah. So can't you know can't be coming on if you can't talk. So yeah, that's hope, a problem. All, hope all that stuff goes well. Uh, and you know that stuff is rough initially when you you know not fun. And but you get through it and you feel better. So hopefully that takes. Uh, hopefully that takes place for Zach and we can talk a little basketball with him next Wednesday at our nine o'clock normal time so man ag appreciate everything you got anything coming up on the cat's paws tell everybody about your work you got anything if they if you don't know you should be <laughs> following and reading Aaron on the cat's paws yeah nothing nothing out as of now just basketball coverage nothing uh nothing crazy upcoming here but uh obviously it's a we're in the heart of basketball season man and a lot of traveling next week you know you mentioned it south carolina <clears throat> arkansas right after that so you know Big, big week coming up next week just from a logistical one, but all fun, man. I really 
I love this time of year. I wish it wasn't five degrees, but otherwise it's a basketball season is a, a ton of fun. And uh, this team's a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully they can uh, get some stops here and make us all feel a little more comfortable about them uh, heading into the bigger months here, March, late February, March, all that good stuff. That's right. Cause this, they're capable of blowing out of everybody. Just a few they stops. Can win they, they take can take the floor. Mm-hmm. They could be anyone on any given day, but the way they play, they could also lose. So that's what's, you know, not that they, I don't think they should lose every game, but they have that capability when they don't play defense. Right. Right. You give them a chance to stay in it when you could have otherwise, look, we know it. You, you talk to the old guys that have played. You, you talk to a Cameron Mills. You talk to a Tony Delk. You talk to those guys that have, when it's, we're up 10, the next four minutes, we're going to be up 15 or 20. Yep. We want to just keep extending, keep separating. And, if, you know, you're getting stops and you know how good you are offensively. That's that's what happens. You, you stretch your lead out because they can't keep up with you either way. So hopefully the Cats can kind of, you know, Get a little better, yeah. <laughs> get a little yeah. consistent, and and then and it'll just be easier for them. They'll make it easier on themselves. Exactly. Where... If they get stops, they're again they have more possessions than you. They're going to win every game. Exactly. <laughs> That's how good they are offensively. But there's it's easier said than done. So we'll That's see true. if they can uh, start turning that corner tomorrow night. That's it. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Ag, appreciate all your coverage. Hope to have uh, Jalen Whitlow back next week as well. Um, Check us out here. We go live each and every week. Uh, Apple Podcast, subscribe. Spotify, subscribe. Uh, leave comments. We appreciate all that. And, you know, we got our shirts that we talk about. Got our Cat Daddy shirts. Go to shop.believe.com. Get yourself a shirt and holler back at us next week. Y'all be safe. Stay warm. And we look forward to your articles about the game tomorrow. And we'll catch everybody next week on another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll see y'all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube